Alrighty, folks, here we are now for the uh, General Knowledge Podcast, episode 21. It is uh, Sunday the 30th of June, school holidays now. Uh, the wife is uh, also off as well. She's been made redundant, so put this out there. Anyone know of any jobs going? <laughs> she's after some reception and admin work because she's just been made redundant. So single income family here now, doing it tough at the general's house. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot to mention that to you boys, eh? But um, yeah, that My happened. My goodness. That just happened. We're, yeah. we're hearing this as you are, folks. Yeah. <laughs> it's all happening. My goodness. Yeah, that's right. So not only now am I the uh, sole breadwinner, but... Um, Obviously, you know, running the website, the Facebook pages, and fucking coaching footy, and oh man, it's just all happening over in my end, man. Um, hence, I can't focus so much attention like I want to on all the things that we've got going on, uh, you know, on our mm. prospective uh, Facebook pages and websites and stuff. But Ethan, uh, you're here with us, of course, uh, for this episode, and so is Andy. Andy will come over to you in a sec, bro. But Ethan, how are you going, man? Yeah, good, mate. Um, just been working on the website. Um, it's good weather at the moment. It's actually stopped raining. I thought it was going to be mm. raining, knowing our luck for the podcast. <laughs> black sky just form randomly over us. Yeah, but, have um, the white noise in the background of the rain pissing down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So now all you got to put up with is the 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 normal, you know, motorcycles and sirens. But uh, <laughs> but no, just just been relaxing, mate. It's it's been good. That's what happens when you record in the hood. <laughs> I shouldn't oh, talk. I'm I'm fucking in the hood more than you, I reckon. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Andy, man, how's it going, bro? Good to have you back on a like oh. Ethan, Ethan said before, a consecutive podcast with uh, with Andy. Oh, amazing, amazing to be back, Lee. Yeah, yeah absolutely fantastic. Mate, I've What's been going on? Good. What's going on in your world, man? Uh, had a uh, had a had a good um, like. Went to a really nice ceremony last weekend with some of my Peru friends, um, South American friends last weekend. Spent the weekend with them. It was really good. What, like a um, wedding or something? Uh, no, no, no. Just a um, like just a bit of a get together, you know. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Nothing, nothing too too special. But it's it's nice mixing with some some different people and some Peruvians, uh, eh? You know. Uh, you know, finding out what's happening um, <clears throat> over that side of the world. It's very, very interesting. Yeah, so some, um, you know, some big uh, some big things even happening over in uh, in the Amazon um, that we can uh, discuss maybe at a later time. But, uh, but yeah, had a, had, a, have had a very, very interesting time in the last seven days um, talking with those guys. So, yeah, cool. Yeah. It's always good to get that extra perspective thing. You know, we're in a little... A little bubble here and anything that we get coming through really is only on sort of things like social media and 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 it gets mainstream media sources so to hear it from you know straight from the horse's mouth from the people on the ground and the people who live in those places it's really good to have that that avenue isn't it yeah it really is general um i'm just and you know like like you two boys i'm just getting i'm just getting so past like some of the digital media and some of the, and just and I'm, I'm a long way past the tv now so it's sort of so i'm sort of uh really reaching out into different if different corners to try and get my information from different avenues and yeah. experience different things so. yeah it's good because i mean so, yeah. what, I'm, I'm like you i haven't watched the news on tv in fuck i can't remember how long like i just refuse to watch it on tv because I, I i tried it well, I did try it, well, I lie. I tried it probably maybe, I don't know, six months ago. I had it on one evening. And 
my blood was boiling, boys. I was so angry at everything they fucking said. I was just like yelling at the TV, and I got the wife going, oh, calm down. You're getting angry, you're getting fired up. Like, like everything they said is so is so skewed to make you, to, to make, you know, they're, they're trying to form your opinion for you. And because like, we can see straight through that shit. Like, we know it. And I was so angry at the TV. Like, I was going to change the channel. Ridiculous. Couldn't do isn't it. It. Yeah. Couldn't fucking do it anymore. You know. oh. Actually, it's the same. I went to mum um, and dad's. Um, for dinner last night and of course you know they have the tv on in the background and and even my wife said oh stop looking at the tv and it was almost like i almost had to slap myself on the face to try and wake myself up that's how it's almost like after years of not having the tv in the house like it's like you it you know it's akin to like giving up smoking and like not having smoked for you know, like a decade or more, and then being around someone who, who is smoking and then getting that bit of a whiff of like, oh, you know, that actually yeah. smells all right. <laughs> well, hey, hey, didn't they have, um, you know, patents filed and all that sort of shit back in the day for things like um, flicker rates and all that stuff with TV with regards to your almost mind control sort of stuff, you know, to get you in that... Um, that hypnotic state where they can then force their impressions on you and boom, you're, you've been hypnotized. That's, and that, that's like a legitimate thing. Hey, Ethan, like they, they did definitely have those um, patents and things for television. Absolutely. They had to get them through because otherwise it would have been mass hypnosis by definition, if that makes sense. Like what, what, what initially happened during the uh, building stages of the media. And I went over this in my analyzing mass media series on the website was that to get these forms of communication across this direct transmission of information to people, they had to pass these laws and regulations and, and, and you know, make these patents and, and really try and get a grasp on this to try and morph and change the definitions so that they would be able to program you without it being seen as a bad thing. So, yeah, yeah absolutely, General. There you go. Yeah, that's and that's and you're, like, living proof of that, Andy. Like you said, you're, you're away from, you're not using that TV so much, and then you're exposed to it all of a sudden for a little bit, and then, bam, it's just, boom, it hypnotizes you, that flicker yeah. ray, it's stimulating those signals in behind you in your eyes and your brain, and, yeah, you, you don't realize it, but it just captivates you like that, eh? You know, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, well, that's right. And and it's in and of course they've like advanced the technology into smartphones now, which is exactly the same thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, even more direct now with smartphones. Now it's just twenty four seven in your face. You know yeah. what I mean? It's been yeah. an incremental increase from you know my grandparents' generation, for example, where the TV would just turn off at nine or ten o'clock p.m. at night. You know, it'd just be black and white. There'd be no more programming. To now. 24-7 news, news two, three, four times a day, and now we have it directly in front of us, ads, everything's popping up at mm. a direct modem. It's not even from the television anymore. So they're just increasing and amplifying. Absolutely, Andy, I completely agree, mate. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's funny, I thought I would do the exercise, boys, and I had, um, I had a, a telemarketer call me. Like I was actually, the only reason why I sort of actually took the call, normally I just sort of say, no, 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 I shouldn't just hang up, but... I took the call because I was sitting in my car. My daughter was at her tennis coaching and I wanted to, I was just sort of just kicking back, taking it easy, doing my bit of book work in there, all my bookings and things for my jobs for the next week as I usually do. And I sort of finished that and I had this phone call come through and I took the call and it was a telemarketer and 
they were like, oh, we want to actually do a survey on, you know, things like your TV and news and, and magazine and newspaper habits and all that sort of stuff. I thought, oh, this would be interesting. And I thought, I might just see what they're actually asking me here. So I, I said, oh, well, we'll send you an email with the, with the survey in it. And you just sort of complete the survey in your own time and, you know, just send it away. And then you get a voucher, you know, at the end of it to like, it was like a $20 voucher, like, you know, Dan Murphy's or any of that sort of stuff. So I was like, yeah, okay, that sounds right. And, um, the whole thing was all about, you know, do you know, do you recognize or read any of these particular print media? Do you recognize any of these particular, um, when it was print, they'd divide up into like newspapers and news um, outlets, then magazine title ones, and then it was all this sort of stuff. And um, then it was TV and radio and, you know, when do you listen to it? What, do you, what are you listening to? All that sort of stuff. And uh, it, my impression of that was like there. Yeah, then because then it sort of covered things like you know on your phone, do you get news and things and media on your phone? I was like, yes, 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 you know. So <laughs> I think they they're sort of try, trying to cotton on, and they've realised now that because all my answers were were pretty much like yeah, not nothing from TV, nothing from magazines, nothing from newspapers, you know. Mm-hmm. And I reckon that's that, that's probably the way that most people are, are seeing it these days. And you know, th- these research companies obviously feed all that information or they sell that information to the big to the big companies and all that sort of stuff but um yeah yes yeah, so the only reason why i did it most of my answers i actually was fabricating my answers and just sort of saying you know <laughs> just putting you know very likely and unlikely on all the the weirdest things and you know saying yes i'm subscribed to these weird magazines and stuff but it was actually anonymous so yeah that it's they're not going to start target ads for me and stuff like that so that was the only reason yeah. why i actually said yes to it because i knew they weren't keeping my particular information it was just going to like a big group basically but you know, when they said, you know, how old are you and all that sort of stuff, I was like, giving them the wrong age groups and, <laughs> you know, just, just mis- <laughs> giving them misleading information. I just wanted to see the questions they were asking, basically, and that's the only reason why I took part in it. But, yeah, I thought it's um, definitely what we're seeing now, too, because, yeah, like I said, oh, we don't watch TV. Andy doesn't watch TV. I mean, I'm guessing you yourself, mate, don't watch news on TV, Ethan? No, not terribly often, no. No, I'm not a big fan of TV, and and as um, I've spoken about previously, the media um, have have really been behind on this. And and you might be right, General. They might finally be starting to crack down and understand um, the power that social media has, because for years they they really haven't had a grip on it. You know, mm-hmm. it's been it's been an old industry that's been failing to adapt to the new digital era which a lot of people that were raised and born into it and and you know are are mastering better than them so they're losing their grip so it seems like it could be the case that now they're trying to understand these things better and when you think about all of the you know ties that they have to to social media companies to control the flow of information to all of these groups that are online and advertisers and stuff now we were speaking about it last week now you just google something and the first thing that comes up is an abc or a, or a mainstream media article now they've they've um you know they've they've changed the algorithm so that only mainstream news outlets come yeah. now so i definitely think that there's something going on behind the scenes and that they're definitely starting to get a grasp of it yeah. um and that yeah that could definitely just be another example of it that's very interesting general yeah and i think because this is happening uh, i guess we probably need to increase the awareness that this is actually going on that's one thing i i think that us in the alternative side could actually try and focus on too is just to remind everyone out there that this is what's happening behind the scenes, even though they probably already sort of know of it. But I guess that reinforcing of uh, of our followers and listeners and all that sort of stuff that you know, the people that look and, and, and pay attention to what we're doing, if we keep reminding them that, yes, look, 
you know, you're going to start seeing less and less of us in our social in your social media feeds. You know, they've they've been shadow banning, blacklisting, and delisting so many of, of the old old people and stuff. You know, for for no reason at all, even on YouTube as well. But mm. they're you know, if we if if that's still happening, then then we need to keep reminding people that you know we're also on these other platforms. Like I said earlier, like I'm I'm on that MeWe and Minds, you know, because it, it, you are in the echo chamber and you're sort of preaching to the choir. But you kind of need that choir to come with you because even the choir these days, that is, i.e., your listeners and followers, you know, they're not necessarily seeing what we're doing on Facebook, you know, and because that's where a lot of our stuff goes out to Twitter, Facebook, and all that sort of stuff. But if they're increasingly not seeing what we're putting out there, then we need to get them to come over to the platforms that we know that they're going to get onto and, and they will see the stuff we're putting out because it's not it's not controlled like these ones. They don't have the algorithms working against you, um, mm. at least not yet anyway. So I guess if we start to try and build that audience up now, I know my followers are starting to increase a little bit more on um, on MeWe and Minds and stuff. Um, I, I just got to keep reminding myself to put content on there because <laughs> I, even I get slack. It's so easy to just hit that old share button and repost it onto my page on Facebook and you know, you're probably the same. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it is. It, 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 I guess it's just on us. You know, I get a bit lazy sometimes. But I, mean, I even noticed it myself because, boys, I put up uh, on our Facebook page uh, a little poll. I don't know if even you guys even saw it, but I said we've just hit 100 subscribers to our Podbean page for the General Knowledge Podcast and nearly 6,000 downloads. And just FYI, guys, I had a quick check today. So we're sitting on 5,972 all-time downloads of this podcast. So that is awesome. We're doing... It's it's getting out. It's really good. Um, But yeah, so back to that post I did. So I put up a poll and I said that and I said, have you heard about our podcast? And I put a link to the the Podbean account and then... um, it was like yes, and, and then my other one was just like other oh, and no, which was what's a podcast, you know. So people didn't know. That's had thirty-eight votes, thirty-eight. Like it's had such little impact. And I know for a fact every time I mention the word podcast or put a link to a podcasting site, even if it's iTunes or Podbean or whatever, it gets so so little engagement. It's not funny. Like it's almost just I should. I feel like I want to just delete it and start again because it's not even worth putting on there. Um, it has mm. no impact whatsoever. It drives me crazy, guys. It really does. I even shared uh, a link to one of the Corbett Reports latest uh, episodes, which was um, Corbett Report videos, the five G dragnet. And that was actually a really good uh, video podcast he put out just recently. You know, it's it's reached, it's had four engagements, one like, it's reached 330 people. My poll has reached 417 people, had 13 engagements. Like, it's just pathetic. And then yet, I'll, um, you know, I can share one of your articles and that gets, you know, a bit more. It's, you know, it's over a thousand people reached and there's a bit more engagement. But, you know, I could just share like an ABC news article or something and or that sunrise video i put up and it goes you know ballistic it's just it drives me crazy how that they've they've intentionally thrown the freaking curveball at us and you know they've got that algorithm working against us and i know i know for a fact hey like as soon as i mention that word pod or podcast i'm fucked mm. like it's it's almost not worth putting up there so that was me yeah, doing a bit of a test yeah you know so I'm not sure mm. what else I can do, but um, I guess the more and more people who do hear this and, and actually do subscribe, they will get it straight to their phone. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. whatever they whatever they're subscribing over, you know. So, um, I don't know if you if you've noticed that same sort of sort of thing on on your end at all, Ethan. 
Um, yeah, um, it's certainly interesting. Um, obviously, I'm pretty well versed with the whole social media behind the scenes thing, and they've, they've definitely it's even admitted that they've they've got skewed algorithms. And if you go into the the, the content now, there's just continuous, you know, frequently asked questions about what type of content is suitable, how the algorithms work and all this stuff. And they admit there that they are controlling the flow of information. And when you think about the vast majority of people who are on these platforms, you know, it, it really says something about, you know, the freedom of speech and information across the world. But, you know, specifically for me, I, I definitely see it. Um, you know, I've worked really hard to to try and push uphill against the algorithm and i you know my page ha is having a little bit of success but as you said general you know an abc art article or a new york times article or any of these articles from mainstream outlets are guaranteed to be seen by more people and and reach more people in the news feed because this is the way that the algorithm has been designed and it, it really is hard to 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 go through an uphill battle like that i've i've one of the things that you do to combat against the algorithm is make your site um, a trusted and respected and a, and a, and a vastly shared uh, platform through the social so then it can move up in the algorithms. And I think I've been trying to do that over the last 12 months, had a little bit of success. But again, we shouldn't have to go through these uphill battles um, just to get our content seen. You know, it should be it should be free for everyone to see the page. And, and this has been happening ever since they introduced the first rule when they become a publicly traded company yeah, that as as only 10% of your audience get to see it yeah. as soon as they monetize general. So not only do only 10% of your audience see it, but now there's algorithms which will influence what those 10% see to begin with. So you just really are um, battling uphill. And, and I agree completely with your sentiments, General, about alternative platforms. I spoke to Heroid Fenton on last month's um, Member Circle podcast about his alternative media site that he's launched, um, uh, truthstorm.net, um, that he wants to build as, a, as an independent platform from Facebook and, and all of these controlled oligarchies of technocrats that are controlling, you know, people's perceptions at the end of the day. And, mm. and we do have to get people to come to our sites, you know, if you, you sign up for the mailing lists, subscribe, all that type of stuff so that you get the information um, without it because... It's all stacked against us to begin with, mate. Yeah, yeah, it really is. You can almost break it up into into categories. You know, you've got the people, you got your subscribers who will. There's the type of people who will subscribe, who will actually go out of their way to type in their email address on your website and subscribe. Uh, yep. There's the people who will willingly check your website daily. There's the people who will willingly check your Facebook page um, and other social media, you know, daily. Um, and then you've got your and there's obviously your subscribers to things like your podcasts and all that sort of stuff and your actual members of your page. Um, and then you've got your other classification, which is just your your average kind of, you know, middle of the road kind of person. Like they'll, they'll follow you, they'll like what you're doing, they'll interact, but they're not going to go out of their way to do things. You know, and that's, yeah. that's probably the largest majority of those groups, I would say, is because you've got your, your scrollers. That's what I probably yeah. refer to them as, just your scrollers. Yeah, scrolling through their Facebook feed, they see something you like that I don't, I, I highly doubt they even actually click on it and read the full thing that you're putting up there. They're your headline readers and your sharers, you know what I mean? They just read that headline, yep. just read the, the tagline and 
like and share and then away they go you know there's there's that classification of people out there then they're everywhere you know and and i'm not saying i'm not i do that from occasion too like there's there's times i'll get caught out and be like shit i've shared this and i've not realized i haven't actually read the stupid thing you know like um and and yeah we all fall victim to that sort of thing but i guess we've got it's on us to, to sort of be a bit more proactive in that you know and actually actually yeah take try and take part a bit more and and not be so lazy you know we get very complacent and apathetic towards these sort of things so i guess we yeah, well, just, uh, yeah stop doing that yeah yeah that's that's a great point and and the interesting thing is like that is the the reality obviously you know i've got my i've got my you know circles that i i draw around and then with any company obviously the majority of people are going to be your scrollers your, your casual fans all that type of stuff mm. but what happens is most companies rely on the bulk of that audience to be almost the foundation for their operations while the you know the sort of the upper echelon people that are more engaged with your content are the main drivers of your product in terms of direction and what you want and where you want it to go whereas this base is the supporters and what happens is it all relies on them you know you working out a way to get that article in front of them in, in, in a fashion that they can see it. So when they're scrolling past, when they're doing their casual thing, they will see your article pop up. And that's the only way they're going to see it. So what can we do then when Facebook and Twitter and all of these accounts are preventing you from getting that in front of the people to begin with? You know, it shouldn't be Facebook's business to to intercept with us trying to get our information out to whoever it is, whether it's the the genuine people, even though they would more likely be seeing it through your website, through your emails, all that type of stuff. We're talking about the the general Facebook page and the general public that if you're smart enough, if you've got good enough content, it should be able to organically flow to all of these casual people and their peers. Mm. But Facebook have prevented that. But they haven't prevented that for mainstream media. So you've got to start to ask the question, well, why are they doing it? And it's an interesting time, General. The Australian Communications and Media Authority are about to hand down their digital platforms inquiry report, um, which is expected to recommend heaps of changes in Australia to regulations for Google, Facebook and all of these online platforms. And did you see... Um, Scott Morrison was at the G20 this week and he has supposedly struck an a deal with global leaders to enforce some sort of a worldwide body to regulate all of this online content that he's talking about in relation to Christchurch and all of this hateful material online. So seems like big changes are still still yet to come mate yeah. did you hear about that at all no i didn't hear about that actually no but it um i knew it was in the winds because there was there's been so many people talking about that this is the this is the path that we're headed on um but yeah. now that now that you just yeah divulge that um is that within the article you put up just recently the about the optus director is that in there at all yeah yeah, so I mentioned um, the, the ACMA report in there because um, obviously that's related to the new communications minister and he'll be obviously the one that enforces any of those recommendations that get given to him. Yeah. Um, but I was reading ACMA actually released a draft version of this earlier in the year which sort of set the tone saying that, you know, we need to crack down on hateful content, on How early? content that... Um, I'm not too sure. Um, if. Yeah, um, I'll I'll just quickly have a look now. I'm pretty sure. Actually, while you're um, having a look too, I want to just actually ask Andy something. I'll bring you in here, Andy, um, and yeah. let me know if you don't want to discuss it. But you've got um, 
you know, uh, one of your side businesses that you're involved in. Um, did you want to, can I mention the name of the, the studios at all? Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. So you're, you, you've, Pixel. yep. So you, you've created this Pixel <laughs> Studios, which is like, um, you know, digital marketing and media and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, you do, you make, you do filming for you know, TV commercials and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, have you yeah. guys, obviously yeah, more, because, more. Web-based. yeah web-based stuff yeah so obviously because you guys are you know you're, you're kind of like a new startup you know business and all this sort of thing um you've obviously got to get yourselves out there as a business for people to to, to find out about how are you finding that are you guys are you doing ads on on social media are you you know how are you putting um, that business out there i want to find out from yourself how very, that's going yeah it's very tough Okay, so the only the only way of really doing it um, is like on this on these sort of platforms. The only way we can really get up in the the so-called Google rankings is like um, prepare articles and blogs about ourselves. And mm. in actual fact, I use a like an offshore company to create blogs and in, you know like interesting articles about ourselves, and you know they generally liaise with us during the week and and like get some ideas about what they can write about and that sort of thing and keep the content going and you know um but of course we're not controversial like so there's no restriction on algorithms like connected with us um Mm. unless unless maybe like they're smart enough to sort of like link me with the whole thing or something like that so but um, but yeah, it is. Look, it is tough, you know. Like getting getting messages out there. Um, I don't think in in any of human history um, have people been subjected to so much subliminal type advertising uh, than than what's going on now. It's it's very very tough for a business to get their message out there. Um, what's what's the website? Just, just just say the website for folks listening too. By the way. Yeah, it's um pixelstudioproduction.com.au. Pixel Studio Production. Cool. P I X E L production.com. Yeah, you've got it. You make some good videos there, Andy. Mm. You've got um I've mentioned to this this to you off air, but um for anyone out there who's looking for any videos, definitely head over to Andy's website. It's fantastic. Some of the work they do, you might have seen from, you know, the yellow vest protest and the election video um that was done, you know. There's um some great great talent there. And we'll get together with some we're getting together with some. We sort of finished a couple of big projects and stuff. I was discussing with you guys off off air, so we'll have some more time. So we want to focus um, next on the um, the five G topic. And uh, we, we like um, General mentioned last week. We um, have a uh, a machine that we can record the RF frequencies coming off these things. So we want to put it to like a bit of a video and and some facts and, and things together for people to to get the to get the discussion going about 5g um, because it's obvious that the powers to be simply don't care less about anything like they're simply happy to roll it out and um, and see what consequences happen after the event because there's been no 
there's been no referendum about whether we want it. There's been no like um, no no public know, consultation public really. Con- no, yeah, no public consultation. Nobody's, none at all. Nobody's been asked whether they want it or not, and yet we're just being told we we want to. You you want this? You want this for fast streaming? You know because. You need to watch. Yeah. Uh, you need to binge watch TV shows on your phone in the middle of fucking nowhere. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you know, I need that. I need it, man. Come on. <laughs> um, we'll go into that a bit more in a second, Andy. Let's just quickly. We'll just cut back to to Ethan because have you? Did you dig up that date by any chance of when they did that? Um... Yeah, mate. So I actually brought up um, the inquiry page here. So yeah. I'll give a little bit more background because I didn't um, in that article, but it's it's very interesting. So it actually happened. Um, the preliminary report was released on the 10th of December. So it was actually 2018. 2018. There you go. Yeah. So the end of last year, the preliminary report was produced and the final report, it says, is due by 30th of June 2019, which is today. So this could actually be coming a lot quicker um, than we expect. And it says that the Honourable Scott Morrison MP directed the ACCC to conduct an inquiry into digital platforms. The inquiry is looking at the effect that digital search engines, social media platforms and other digital content platforms have on competition in media and advertising service markets. In particular, the inquiry is looking at the impact of digital platforms on the supply of news and journalistic content and the implications of this for media content creators, advertisers and consumers. So that's what it says on the website right there. So this isn't just some conspiracy theory, people. This is this is what's been happening. There's been a systematic, um, systematic setup through algorithms, through back, through back coding, through all of these websites to engineer the information that is before you. And as we were speaking about before, news websites like ours, we fall on the back end of this, and we have to battle uphill just to get to a level playing field through all of this these algorithms and now with all of these global agreements that have supposedly been made and the new digital platforms inquiry which experts are saying is going to have vast implications for restricting content on social media this is all coming folks so that's uh, the digital platforms inquiry general i thought i'd throw back over to you to get your thoughts on that mate um i can leave a link for you to to link to everyone so they can go have a read of this yeah actually put uh, that in there we'll put that in the show notes so you throw that on there for me before um, yeah. before before I do that, just come here for a second. Can you say hi to all my listeners so they know you're real. Say hi. Hi, I'm real. <laughs> That's the wife. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> she just had to come in to get something. <laughs> she just had to come in and grab some stuff out of the office. So <laughs> I said, just delivering your real. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. Guest so appearance, mate. Guest appearance. Yay! We have a guest for this episode, and yeah, she's, she's she's gone now. She's gone. Anyway, um, <laughs> mate. What I wanted to sort of throw this out there because the, the reason why I wanted you to check on that date for me was because um, I. I've, we're obviously uh, Australia and New Zealand are very heavily involved in these sort of, um, you know, the, the the laws that get pushed through with with regards to this sort of stuff. You know what I mean? Like they they tend to do it hand in hand. If we do it, then they'll do it, sort of thing. And I just thought it was funny that you know back in on March fifteenth, you know, we had the um, Christchurch massacre and uh, all of the shit that went in down with that with regards to you know obviously the 
news outlets sharing footage and there was a big crackdown mm. on all that sort of stuff. And, you know, there was the, the government stepped in and said, you know, you can't access 4chan and BitChute and all these other websites that may have hosted the um, the footage and stuff, you know what I mean? And then, of course, you know, we've got this, this stuff happening in, in the wings in the background and they, it's like they needed maybe a catalyst to say, well, because of these situations like Christchurch, you know, we need this stuff, you know what I mean? Uh, I, it's, mm. I'm, I'm throwing it out there as a bit of a theory, boys, but that's just what I'm sort of in the back of my head. That's what's going on, you know what I mean? Like, they obviously need something, a catalyst to sort of help push these things through and look, maybe mm. that's it. Uh I don't know. Well, right. look, well, look at it. Look at it. It got, it got on. It was in December of of twenty eighteen that, that this was um, announced, and then all of a sudden this Christchurch thing happens, and and we wrote about it. We spoke about it. Major telecommunications companies blocking websites like 4chan, LiveLeak, all of these websites that yep. were hosting the footage. We're seeing people in New Zealand becoming they're getting imprisoned for sharing yeah. the footage on social media and now scott morrison is pushing for these type of laws to be on a unified approach across the world who's not to say that just as they do with anti-terrorism law like well now we need you know they release it and all they need is the perfect catalyst to to bring in these laws well now we're and- seeing it <laughs> yeah what a way to throw off the ACCC's reporting than, a, than to have a Christchurch event. Mm, mm. <laughs> that's going to skew it for sure back in the favour of censorship. Of so course, yeah. You so never know, General. Yeah, that's, that, that's, what, that's the way my brain thinks, man. It's, it's, you know, it's, there's, they don't do these things for no reason. There's obviously, you know, they have a reason for them and they want... It's all about that control. They need more control. They need less freedom for us, you know, to... To do the, to do what we're doing, and you know, they want all sources of this sort of data flowing through their only only their, I guess their inputs and outputs. You know what I mean? Like it's got to go through mm-hmm. them. You know, so it's it. Uh, anyway, people out there know what I'm talking <laughs> about. You know what I mean? Anyway, guys, like the, there's these things are. I think, yeah, I don't know if they set it up like that, but maybe they just jumped on that as an up, you know, never let a good crisis go to waste, so to speak, as Hillary Clinton says. But um, mm. uh, that's just, uh, that's my thoughts on that. I don't know if you agree, Andy. What do you reckon that's something you would get on board with yeah. as a theory? Uh, look, I think, you know, boys, we've been discussing this for well over a year about the slow rollout of and the, and, the, and the destruction of Facebook, especially. Um, you know, and to me, and, and, and yeah, I'm completely on board with everything you're saying. And, and and we all said back in the uh, back in the week where the um, uh, crisis in New Zealand had rolled out that this was this was the start of censorship and this is just more confirmation of what's going on. Mm. And for me, you know, when I heard this um, uh, puppet Morrison in Japan um, talking about that, I just it's just so disappointing to have a an Australian Prime Minister. You know, like like scraping the bottom of the barrel in regards to uh, uh, so-called world uh, world events and bringing this rubbish to to world leaders. Um, you know, we, with so many things going on in the world and and so many economic problems going on with Australia. Uh, you know, from en- energy to farming crises to uh, you know overpopulation, and for our prime minister to be, um, you know. Uh, making an issue of uh, social media um, censorship, basically, uh, to, to me just like reinforces once again uh, the state that we're at in regards to our puppet politicians and our 
useless government and our over over bureaucratized country. Mm. So, and you're right to call uh, them puppets because we we know these you know these idiots aren't coming up with this stuff. They're just there to help push it through and to take it to these you know into into governmental bodies and all that sort of stuff. You know they it's we all there is there is a deep state behind the, the scenes that's running this shit and um, pushing these agendas in. Um, Mm. Yeah, they definitely are the puppets, like you said, Andy, that's for sure. And look, folks, you can go back and actually um, check out this piece that Ethan's put up because the the actual title of the article is Formus Op- Former Optus Director Appointed Minister of Communications. Um, I might just get you to do, maybe just run us through the um, one or two paragraphs, of the, sorry, one or two sections of that one, just for the folks out there, uh, Ethan. Yeah, good. mate. Yeah, absolutely. So this um, is conflict of interest, big time. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. It relates directly to what you were just saying there, General, about this all just being these people just uh, are meant there to to drive the agenda, and and that's the only thing that that happens. You know, we would think that we would have democratically elected representatives that you know represent us and, and are reflective of what the people's interests are, but. When you when you look into it, it, it never seems to be that way, and this is another example of that. And I published this article today on tottnews.com, and as you mentioned, it's it's as simple as the title says: former Optus director has been appointed minister of communications. And I'll just read out the intro here. It says the Australian government has appointed Paul Fletcher, a former Optus director, as the new communications minister responsible for advising cabinet and regulating projects from 5G to smart cities. Telecommunications giants have welcomed the new announcement, while many critics are calling the appointment a fundamental conflict of interest after a long history of involvement in the industry. So what we're seeing here is Paul Fletcher has been announced the new communications minister. So we've we've had the election, it's gone, it's done and passed, and, and, and it's time to appoint the new cabinet. And, you know, I don't normally pay attention to too many of these things because, as we said, it's a bit of a puppet show, but there are key positions that I do always keep an eye on. You know, the attorney general's one, for example, and, yeah. and the communications minister is another one that I always want to see who is in that position and because... These are driving positions that actually influence change in our society. They're not like these fake environmental ministers or all of these other, you know, gender for women and all these other ministerial. Yeah, and we are on that you know, march positions. to, to um, tech, you know, to a technocratic type of society. So yeah, you're right. These these positions are key. Absolutely. So these are key positions, and and Paul Fletcher has been announced as the new Minister for Communications, Cyber Safety and the Arts. So I thought that was interesting too. They've actually, in the new cabinet, they've combined a few departments together, So and they've created the new Cyber Safety Department, which will relate to exactly what we were just talking about before, but he will be for Communications, Cyber Safety and the Arts, and he'll be replacing Mitch Fifield, who is actually going to be Australia's ambassador to the United Nations. So you can see what this little position, this little flow is in terms of, of how the whole game is structured. And what happens is this role will expand and, and will include all facets of telecommunications and the cyber world. So this includes the 5G rollout, smart city initiatives, online content, 
content blocking that we were just talking about and other things like anti-terrorism in the digital age, all of these things that the minister's responsible to. Now, you would say that this, well, what's the problem with that? That's what the communications minister does. Well, it's actually who this person is that um, struck a bit of an interest in my um, in my mind, I just went on to, to have a look at who this guy was. And according to his official background page, Paul was the former director of corporate and regulatory affairs at Optus for eight years before venturing into the industry himself. And he actually started Fletcher Group Advisors, which is a consultancy firm focusing on the telecommunications industry. So I leave a little screenshot there from his um biography it's just a little one sentence where they just mention oh yeah he was a major director at optus optus for eight years let's move on um but yeah he was at optus and in fact i i gave a couple links to um a couple of uh, press releases and speeches that um, are still available for public viewing where it gives his insight into how the inner industry works so you can see just how involved he is and he can also be found in the mainstream media, I've linked to a couple of articles before he entered parliament as one of the key speakers on behalf of Optus in terms of whenever, say, the Sydney Morning Herald or ABC would report on Optus. So this isn't just some small-time employee who was a former, you know, sales consultant there. This was a a big-time director and he was there for almost a decade. And he, he established the mobile black spot program and he also helped introduce other regulatory measures. And now, as the Minister of Department of Communications and the Arts, he will lead a department that acts as the Australian government's key advisor on communications. So this agency is responsible for regulatory management, program and grant management, as well as you know, engagements with stakeholders. So Australia Post, NBN, ABC, all of these companies, he has to engage with these companies. And so what what we're seeing here is many experts are expressing concerns that this is a potential conflict of interest, you figure, um, that (laughs) may arise. No potentiality about it. Yeah, and they said like... Yeah, nothing to see here because just look at his prior involvement in all of these industries and companies that he will now regulate as the communications minister. Yeah, so before I move on to to what he's going to do and and just give a background on how this relates to 5G, I'll throw over to to you there first, Andy. What do you reckon, mate? Conflict of interest Uh, or not, Mr. Mr. Office Director? (sighs) <laughs> yeah, mate, it's just it's absolute insanity. Actually, it reminds me a little bit about um, Christopher Pine um, also moving, uh, who's the former defence minister, moving into positions of like um, uh, companies who actually sell uh, defence type material yeah. to the government. So, so <laughs> you've got the same like you've got the same controversy uh, in reverse where you've got a government minister moving into the private sector um, to do his dirty little dealings and now you've got the other way. Well, you've got someone from the private sector moving into government to actually influence the other way. So mm. so you see, you see how corporations and government, you know, as we go forward um, are merging, right? You, you can see that quite clearly. Fascism, how. how yeah. You know, we're moving into like 
you know, core, what do they call it? Core po- core, core, corporate corporate corporatocracy. Thanks. Thanks general. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's just a, like a, a so two men are just like two classic examples only just this mm. month of, of, of the creep towards, towards the, towards that. So, um, Mm. So yeah, mate. Yeah, good, good spot. I, I never, I never saw that. I never picked up on um, Mr. Paul Fletcher uh, issue. So very, very well done. Ethan. Yeah, no, yeah. no, yeah, thanks, and, uh, mate. That, and as, as I said, I was just doing um, because I know the Chris Pine thing. Um, former Defence Minister, like, uh, was hitting hitting this mainstream media um, very hard this week. You know, it's been. Been a very very hot topic, but um, Paul Fletcher, man, that, that could be the next next this week coming weeks next big thing. Mm. I will say this, yeah, so, no, it's boys. Um, you know, I'm not playing devil's advocate or anything, but to me, it, that this bloke being put in this position, it, it kind of to me seems like an obvious choice for them, because like who else would you put in there? Um, you know what I mean? Like it's it's they're they're always going to pick one of these kind of guys to take that spot. They're always going to be an industry insider guy or someone like that. You know what I mean? Like they don't. Well, that's not necessarily true, necessarily true because they don't always like. For example, you know, the health minister isn't going to always be a doctor. But um, in in type of this, like you said, in these key sort of positions, like telecommunications and stuff like this, they're always going to put in someone from the industry. Um, so if it wasn't going to be this guy, I want, I'm sort of wondering, well, who was their next go-to guy, you know, or, or they just did it, they custom made it for, for this guy, you know, is you just sort mm. of wonder in the background, you know, yeah, are they, they're obviously sitting there having their lunches together and these little meetings and going, oh yeah, look, when I get in next reelected, you know, I'll put you in and, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. Like it just, yeah. it doesn't seem like it's, you know, he, he's obviously not surprised by this. He's, he knew he was going to get this spot, but I wonder who their other go to is or who well, yeah i mean like you know in all honesty who else would they put and who would you put in there to do it like it's i don't know um yeah sure. well that's always obviously that, you know, one of the arguments yeah, yeah. like you, do you do and do you just pick an academic like a professor of that sort of industry who's at a teaching at a university and put them in a position like that or you know what i mean like um yeah. But the thing is, is like a, a, in a, in a perfect you know democracy, it's 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 interesting how you know he 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 got in there organically just as a, as a local MP and was just doing other things at the beginning of his political career when he left Optus. But he's been grabbed and he's been pushed up to this position to enforce the agenda. And this mm. is this is where it does come in. And they do they do the guise of you know we need to have someone there that you know, has technical knowledge. And it's like, well, I understand that argument, but fundamentally in a democracy, he represents the voice of the people. So it doesn't matter what his technical expertise on it is. He needs to be doing what's in the our interests and what we are saying, whether it's right or wrong. You know, if we want to live in a democracy, that's the way it works. But all we're seeing is all of these people that have industry ties, that have connections, they're being catapulted to these positions I, I mentioned in the article he went through the urban infrastructure and cities ministerial um, position through 2016 and 2017 and helped enforce some of these new smart city initiatives so you see that he's just been brought along and groomed up to this position and it's like now he's going to use his expertise to 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 influence this 
And it's like, well, where do the people get a say? You know, that's that's sort of the other side of the argument. It's, well, yeah, I understand okay. the cool. argument for expertise, but, you know, he doesn't, it's not about what his expertise and opinions are. He's a democratically, democratically elected official. He should be doing what the people want. You know, if the people tomorrow said, we don't want 5G at all, even if it was wrong for the economy, he would have to follow that in a perfect dem- democratic society, but that's yeah. not what happens, you no, know? Absolutely correct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's that's sort of just, you know, just to throw the other side out there as well. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I do hear that a lot about, you know, well, who else would you put in there? This is good that we have someone with technical expertise. And it's like, well, it is good that we have someone with expertise, but the minister shouldn't be playing that role. There are experts out there that report back to the minister with the information. The minister's just there to to enforce the will of the people. He shouldn't be the expert, you know? Yeah, so. good point. No, yeah, good show. Yeah, and it's great. I'm glad. I just wanted to clear that yeah, up for, for the folks point. listening, yeah. No, because um, I'm sure a lot of people would have those thoughts as well. So it's good to put both sort of arguments out there, yeah, you know, because anyway. <laughs> it, cause it's because it's interesting. Because in in the next part of the article, general, it's it's the concern where this is heading, you know, and and what they're trying to focus on now is everyone is focusing on Fletcher being on almost the martyr that's going to help get the NBN through and to to enforce all of these new five G policies. And w- we go through it in the article. The um, Australian Communications Consumer Action Network has urged him to address challenges and opportunities for the telecommunications sector going forward. So they say 5G, NBN, all of these things. The current Optus Vice President of Regulatory and Public Affairs said in a statement that he was expecting to work with Mr Fletcher on the government on decisions that are critical to Australia's 5G future. Go figure, you know, Mm. of course, Optus want to work with him. Mm. Um, And, you know, now we're having Telstra saying that they're urging him to speed up the sale of millions of dollars worth of radio wave spectrum to complete this 5G rollout. You know, we've got Huawei coming back in saying that they're going to meet with him to to lobby to get back into the Australian market now that that there's a new communications minister. That interests me. I would like to see his position on Huawei, you know, trying to get back in because we all know... You know, Huawei's what partially owned by the PRC and um, or might even be a PRC company. Maybe I'm not too sure, but um, yeah, you know. So obviously they want to put all their spy chips in all their equipment and listen to everything and get their fingers in the pies all around the world. So um, I'm kind of I'm kind of glad that they they're not letting them at the moment, to be honest. But I mean, it's it's kind of a in that regard, it's a case of well, who's like yes they don't want them spying on us because we're already doing the spying you know like <laughs> you know? yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no it's yeah. certainly interesting and it'll be interesting because obviously we know that the Turnbull government blocked Huawei from participating in our developing 5G network in 2018 it was mm-hmm. now just on national security grounds so yep. now they're talking about lobbying this new minister and and, and the thoughts that I had was if you're a director of a major company like Optus like, who are the people that he, he knows? What is the expertise that he knows? He would be fairly deeply invested after eight years in high-level positions in the telecommunications industry. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, he'd be looking anyone that works. Yeah. yeah, anyone that works in that position. So, you, you never know who he knows. He could yeah. know someone from Huawei. He could know someone from this and that. I think oh, this is why they've got him. No doubt. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, I think this is why they've got him in this position. And, and it said in the article he runs his own, he ran his own consultancy firm, which is still going today. I'm not sure if he still runs it, but independent consultancy to advise these major companies. So he's already been doing this on his own. And now we're just expo- expected to to believe that he's going to come in and not just do the same old tricks that he's been doing for years in the industry. You know, mm. it's 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 ridiculous. And and uh, and as I said, over the coming months, Fletcher is no doubt going to play a major role in the expanding five G rollout that's happening across the country. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Especially this whole smart city initiative push. You know, like. Uh, yeah. We're seeing so many more articles popping up about that too that we've been sharing uh, on our social media and you've been writing about too with regards to these, you know, the big push for smart cities like Perth and Darwin and Newcastle and all these other ones that are p- cropping up everywhere. And um, obviously guys like this are going to be pushing it even harder. Um, yeah. But I'll just put yes. this out there. So folks, please go to tottnews.com uh, and the, uh, the title of this one is Former Opus, Optus Director Appointed Minister of Communications. Very good to, to keep your finger on the pulse with this sort of stuff, folks, so you know what's going on. You know who these people are, what what drives them to do this sort of stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, good, good article once again uh, there, Ethan. And uh, also make sure you sign up and, and join up with Ethan as a member. Um, I think it's five, five bucks a month, isn't it, Ethan, for you guys? Yeah, yep. So yep. a cup of coffee a month from, you know, the city places. So the people I work with get cop- coffees for $4.50, $5 in the city. So yep. a cup in, of coffee in, in a, a month, month. In a month, I've noticed you, you know, you're putting, I've had a look, I think you've, you've, you're putting out, what, maybe about 10 or 12 articles in that month um, for members and stuff, or around that anyway. But look, and plus you got the members, you know, podcasts and things as well. So you're getting some good content, folks, uh, and you're helping out um, alternative media here in Australia as well. So as always, we're happy to promote that sort of stuff for you guys, and also make sure you guys head over to thecrowsfiles.com and and help Adam out, throw him a couple of bucks as well, because he's doing the same sort of thing. Um, you mm. probably noticed that you can't listen to his podcasts now. He, he's been putting out a couple of. Uh, yeah, little preview ones, so you sort of whet your appetite, and then you go, "I want to listen to that one. I want to listen to it," you know. And uh, you go and throw him five bucks as well, and and join up with him and, and get all these great podcasts as well, because um, he's got a couple of good ones out lately as well. So yeah, please please help him out, and please help Ethan out. And hey, look, while I'm at it, if you want to throw a couple of bucks to our PayPal as well, there's links on our on our website as well. Um, more than happy to help put that towards. Um, paying for our websites and stuff anyway so that's that's great for all the listeners that do help yeah we are this is what we're doing folks we're trying to bring all this information to the forefront and and chat about it and and trying to work out exactly what is going on Um, i tell you what fellas i've it's um just interrupt here uh, it's it's a it's a great time of the afternoon i've just got a good view here of the the sunrise going down sunset it's it's quite a oh the sunset sorry (laughs) it's not the sunrise my days are thrown off too much information, General. Um, <laughs> but no, there's um, nice little sunset going down in the background. Very fitting. Very fitting. It's a good time to go out and do some sun gazing anyway. The uh, morning and sunset, I'm pretty sure. But uh, sunrise and sunset. <laughs> Yes. That. Yes. Don't worry, Ethan. It is it is sunrise somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on this on this flat plane we're living on. Anyway. So funny. Guys, well I wanted to just um bring up one if I could, um, and then we'll throw over to Andy to um to bring us uh, some news from around the world as well. But um 
like I said in the pre-chat, guys, this one actually came through from from Chris, Chris Atwood, Addy, who's um, a keen listener of both of our podcasts and supporter of our sites and stuff. So thanks, Chris, for bringing this to the forefront. Um, this one's from abc.net.au. New legal advice puts council fluoridation programs on shaky ground. Um, so I'll just quickly go through this one, folks, because uh, we always like to keep our finger on the pulse with regards to fluoridation. This one's, this one's pretty good. Some good information on this one, but I'll I'll give you my take on it as well. I, I do think that there could be something else in the background behind this one uh, that may not be a good thing. But anyway, I'll read this one out for you guys. So, Tim Robertson, SC, who specializes in environmental and constitutional law, warns fluoridation is prohibited without approval from the Therapeutic Goods Administration, otherwise known as the TGA. Supply of fluoridated water is in breach of the Therapeutic Goods Act. Until fluoridated water is registered or excluded from the Act, Mr. Robertson wrote in a report to the Port Macquarie Hastings Council on the New South Wales mid-north coast. Council, in, uh, in a quote here, Council is exposed to both criminal and civil penalties. The advice was provided to a confidential meeting of the Council, which, but has now been published on the Council's website. So there's a link to go and actually have a look at that confidential meeting minutes. Port Macquarie Hastings Councillor Peter Alley said that the legal advice surprised him. This will potentially impact on every water supply authority that supplies fluoridated water, he said. It's now up to the TGA, the federal and state health ministers, to work with us to try and find a way forward. So what's the problem? Councils are obliged to add fluoride, so it doesn't say the way they've worded that, obliged. People think that that's like mandatory, but it's not. Councils are obliged to add fluoride to water by law, such as the New South Wales Fluoridation Act of 1957. It is widely believed to prevent tooth decay. So there we go, they have to say widely believed, they can't say proven because it isn't. According to the legal advice presented to Port Macquarie Hastings Council that makes fluoridated water an unregistered therapeutic good under the Commonwealth's Therapeutic Goods Act. According to Mr. Robertson's advice, that overrides the state law. Section 109 of the Constitution operates and the Therapeutic Goods Act prevails to the extent that the Fluoridation Act is invalid, Mr. Robertson wrote. A council supply of fluoridated water is in breach of the Therapeutic Goods Act until fluoridated water is registered or excluded. So that was a quote there as well. Uh, it is further complicated because the TGA does not agree. The TGA does not consider fluoridated reticulated drinking water to be therapeutic goods, the Federal Health Department said in a statement. However, the Health Department said the TGA was now considering whether it needed to clarify its position further. Fluoridation of Australia's drinking water began in the 1950s. Uh, the Port Macquarie's water fluoridation program began in 2012, and some councils are still to introduce fluoridation. Legal advice may aid those opposed to fluoridation. Byron Bay Shire Council is one of the last remaining councils in New South Wales to not fluoridate its water. The Shire's Mayor, Simon Richardson, also sits on the board of Roos County Council, which is responsible for fluoridation across the Northern Rivers. Uh, Mr. Richardson said he believes the legal advice would have wide implications. It may be just the advice alone will be enough for Roos or others to change our management practices. I guess we have to wait and see, he said. He said the legal advice would also be part of, the, be part of particular interest to those who oppose fluoridation. Residents who have serious misgivings and concerns about fluoride, about fluoride now have stronger ammunition to pursue the case if they've had legal advice there have been transgressions, he said. No questions raised about fluoride effectiveness. And then it goes on to 
promote fluoridation a bit more there, so I'm not even going to fucking bother reading that bit. But um, so yeah, so the key point of this one, guys, um, is that uh, where he says here. So um, this uh, T- Tim Robertson, the SC, who specialises in environmental and constitutional law, is warning that fluoridation is prohibited without the approval from the TGA. Um, and he's saying that, yeah, the supply of fluoridated water is actually in breach of the TGA Act. Um, and he says, until fluoride, fluoridated water is registered or excluded from that particular act, um, he said there could be, you know, civil and criminal penalties to apply for this if they start suing, you know, cancels and stuff. And obviously cancels don't want to be, you know, dragged through the mud and list. So this could be a red letter day in regards to, um, you know, fluoride, you know, ending perhaps in Australia, um, could be a good thing or and this is the part that i'm sort of troubled with fellas is that i'm kind of worried that maybe now that they'll start they've identified this issue that you know fluoridated water hasn't been added to the tga that now maybe they'll update the act they'll change the act they'll do something to help push it through so that it has now you know become acceptable it's going to be in the law it's going to be then mandated and they're going to say look here we go the tga backs us the health department backs us you know all that sort of shit and it could it could backfire but i guess until those things are added they really should be i guess falling victim to these to these lawsuits but what, are, you, think, what are your thoughts I'll go you, Andy. Uh, there's no way they, they can do that there's absolutely no way that they can bring it into law because it's actually not fluoride so it'll be unraveling the whole thing. That's correct. I think so, some somebody knows that, you know, because if they do, if they bring that into law and they make a law saying, you know, fluoride, you know, like this, the chemical name for fluoride, whatever it is, you know, is part of the law, and then, and then of course the next the next chess move on that one there would be to say, well, 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 all right. Let's let's have a sample of what they're actually putting in the water. Oh, whoops! Look, it's not what was um, um, legislated. Mm. It wasn't the chemical that is in the legislation. Yeah. So then, I think what they then argue. I read this in another piece as well because they say, you know, putting in these, let's say, products because that's what they've now turned this um, chemical waste into. They've turned it into a product rather than chemical waste. Is they're saying that once they put that chemical waste product into the water supply, it then develops what they call a fluoride ion, which is what, oh, what is becomes fluoride. Yeah, that's what they're. I think that's what they're saying is. But you're right, though. I think it will highlight the fact that that it's not fluoride they're putting in the water. It's not this pharmaceutical clean, you know, pu- purified substance. That it is literally a waste byproduct from the phosphate mining industries. You know where they. They're taking this stuff, getting it straight from the scrubbers from these big smokestacks and whatnot, and then it's literally just being either dried and or bottled up and shipped off to water distribution places and municipal water supplies around the countries, uh, around our country. And um, that's what they're then just tipping straight into the water supply. They're just pumping it in so, there, or they're adding so it actually, as a power. I really, I, really, I really hope they do make it. I really hope they do make it law. And why, why is that? Because then because, it's all out there officially. Because, because then it's all out there. Because yeah. then, because because if it's if it's an actual factual law saying, you know, to put fluoride into the water, and it can be proven, and like I could prove it, I could prove it today that it's not fluoride, then then we can unravel the whole thing legally. 
Mm. Yeah, yeah, you can launch lawsuits, all that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know, you claiming say, all that type of stuff. Yeah, you know, if you if you if you get sold, I don't know, white paint, and someone and someone slaps, you know, like grey paint all over your walls. I mean, it's not the same thing, is it? You know, like, and then it becomes like defined by law, rather than this this kind of like this wishy washy political thing, like it is now. And for in my point of view, I guess if they've got to then change the Therapeutic Goods Act to then either exclude or register fluoride as a um, you know as a as a medical treatment, so to speak, or whatever, um, that's got to be done by. Does that not have to be done by a referendum to change a, an act? like a law or to amend that? No, I don't think a referendum is... No, no, no. So, not for this one. Okay, then they don't, Then obviously then they have to go through, you know, through what tiers of government? Might, have, is to it through, through, might have to go through the Senate for it. Through the Senate? Yeah, okay. All right, yeah. so then it would be the Senate that would have to then vote on it. Mm, yeah, the, my opinion, the referendum... Push it through. The referendum... Bit would be the underlying part of it. So the constitution is what is the underlying sort of key that holds it at the bottom is what he's talking about. He's talking about how under the constitution, that's why we need things like the Therapeutics Good Act. And then that's why, so et cetera, et cetera. So if they wanted to change the fundamental argument, that would require a referendum. If they wanted to say, well, you don't need to be regulated by TGA acts and have these chemicals all across the country registered or deregistered, then they'd have to change the constitution. But specifically for the act, I, they'd just go through um, the normal parliament. But as you said, either way, I could, I could potentially see this working out well, you know? Mm. Yeah. I think so, but I think I think they'll discover that it it's going to have detrimental like you know effects to the agenda and it'll get swept aside. Like I don't I I can't see it rolling much further. Well, they'd be smarter just to leave it as it is because if you were yeah. to challenge it in its current state, you'd actually have to go through the legal processes yourself and yeah. challenge them based on this premise, whereas they would just be giving themselves the underlying sort of reason here, the smoking gun, if they made it legal. So they might just leave this and sort of force people, yeah, just force people to take it up. But it's still great news even in that respect because that is an avenue that you could potentially take up yeah. for your yeah. own self, for your family, not about the community, not about anything like this, but for yourself. Well, this, this, this could be an option. Yeah. Well, this this to me sounds like it's a class, a class action waiting to happen. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, oh, definitely. Absolutely, yeah. This this is you know, like, well, like they say, yeah, according to legal advice presented to the council, um, that makes fluoridated water that makes fluoridated water an unregistered therapeutic good because you know the fluoride proponents are all saying you know it's a it's it's a health benefit. It's good for teeth and bones, and therefore it's it's you know it's therapeutically good for you. It would be a therapeutic treatment. Um, so I'm trying to wonder what they're what they're going to try and base their defense on of this standpoint. You know what I mean? Like where are they going to come back and say, oh, well, technically it's, you know, it's it's a public health measure. So it's it's different. You know, like they say with vaccines, it's a public health measure. Like fluoride is a public health measure. So it's different. You know what I mean? That's what, that's what I think they're going to try and go by. And yeah. that's their fallback to me um, because... I guess that could then open up having more avenues if they if they win they can say wow well you know, we won that fluoride thing on that standpoint then we're going to attack vaccines and that we're going to attack whatever else we're going to attack you know um, 
EMF radiation is—it's therapeutically good for you. It's a public health measure. You know, it helps you with sleep or whatever. Like, can we? Like, they could fucking put anything in there then and say it's a public health measure, and they know they're going to win it because it's unchallengeable. Yeah, that's that's a long shot, but like that's the kind of thing I kind of get a little bit dubious on. But anyway, yeah, no, that's interesting, and I think. I think the language is important too. Like I, I'm, I'm sure I, I'm interested to do some research to see what they would, all of the legal definitions are in regards to this, because mm. what they're saying at the bottom of that article in defense is that at current levels, it doesn't cause any health problems, right? So the key word there is problems. So what mm. does it mean by problems? Does that relate to what a therapeutic good should be? Because when you think about vaccines, you think about, just general like pharmaceutical pills. Yeah. They've all got side effects and health problems, which probably means they have to be registered for the Therapeutics Good Act then. So they might argue that, well, this doesn't cause any effects at all. It's just an, it's something that improves the teeth just naturally. So it's not causing any bad effects, so it doesn't have to be registered as a therapeutic good. So that could be potentially an option that they would argue but again i'd have to see the legal sort of ramifications but just going off of their well, language here it seems like that's what they're sort of pushing that no there's no actual problems or effects on the negative side and that might be a prerequisite for tga registering we, we even but see when we know that there is problems um because how many times have they been caught out overdosing us ethan you know what I mean? Exactly. Over, over the oh, years. Yeah, we know there is. Yeah, yeah we know there's the problems. They've admitted to overdosing certain areas in Brisbane, you know, like up in Pine Rivers and all that sort of stuff. There was massive overdosing in the in the, the six parts per million or whatever we're supposed to be dosed at was, you know, it was like quadrupled or something for a couple of months, they reckon, you know what I mean? Like, and But who knows what, what detrimental effects that had on the public because they wouldn't be able to specifically perhaps trace that back to fluoride. So... I don't know. They, they, we definitely know there are problems, and there are people with hypersensitivity yeah, to it as well. Are. So I mean, you know, like these poor people who have hypersensitivity to you know to fluoride. Um, you, what, what about these poor problems. people? Yeah, there's absolutely yeah. problems. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely, and when we've documented that, and but the problem is, is they just continue to say there's no evidence. Look at our national bodies. Look at our national reports. The consensus is there's no evidence. Right. Mm. Same with vaccines. Vaccines damage and hurt and kill people all across the country. But they still say that it's safe. You know what I mean? Like, well, even if we know that it doesn't cause any health effects, all they could argue was, well, we've done the research and it doesn't, you know, and then <laughs> have they, that's though? all they say. <laughs> because um, isn't there a, uh, hang on, don't, let me just bring it up now. I'm pretty sure it's still on YouTube. Uh, yep. Yeah, okay. So there was, do you remember the Firewater documentary on, on fluoridation here in Australia? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So... There was a sequel to that called Don't Look, Won't Find. And as an adjunct to the Firewater Project, this film talks about people's experience with trying to avoid fluoride exposure and because they're hypersensitive to it. Um, and the whole premise of that particular one was they, they don't find any problems with fluoridation be, because they don't look for it. So it's the, that's why she titled that documentary, Don't Look, Won't Find. You know, if you don't look for it, you're not going to find the problems. So that's why they yeah. say, say that, you know. So people should, I might put a link into this um, uh, podcast in the show notes too, so people can actually go back and watch those docos. They're made by um, an Australian chick. Um, so yeah, people should go back and check those ones out. Uh, Fire, water, and uh, Don't Look, Won't Find. So um, yeah, they'll be in the show notes. Yes. But yeah, like, uh, there you go. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's all right there. Like, they're saying it in that article, like you said, you know, like 
um, no reliable evidence that water fluoridation. <laughs> of course, they can say that because they haven't looked for any. You know, they, it's just like with the vaccines. You know, they, exactly. they of course can say they're safe and effective because they're not looking. Looking exactly. for the problems. Yeah. Anyway, five G, uh, all that stuff. Well, there you go. That, that's the other Same. one we talked about recently. Yep, five G. They have. They're they're not looking for any issues, so they of course haven't found any issues. Therefore, they can say there are no issues because they haven't looked <laughs> for them. Uh, more uh-huh. more Orwellian wordplay, double speak Maybe. sort of stuff there. But um, yeah, yep. that's what we're dealing with, and hence us trying to expose it. Um, we might cut over to you, Andy, mate, um, to to wind us up for the um, episode twenty one here. Um, you wanted to have a quick chat about what's happening uh, in terms of Iran and America and so forth. Um, I know you mentioned that in a little chat group. Uh, what specifically you want to bring up with that one, mate, so we can flash out? You there, Andy? Have we dropped him off? Sorry, boys. Oh, there you are. Sorry, boys. I just had I just had myself on mute. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> Classic. I just. Um, it's interesting watching the chess moves in the Middle East in regards to um, this um, military conflict, conflict going and the demonization of Iran. Um, and I see a, um, you know, the usual American plays uh, like, um, like it's always been doing in that region. Um, and it's interesting uh, that once again Saudi Arabia has jumped on board with the U.S. and uh, it seems to be uh, the tension building up uh, quite into quite an ugly little uh, like um, reality in uh, today. This well, they're blaming. Seems they, to yeah, they're blaming those for those people who are trying to get back on this. They blame those um, tanker, oil tanker bombings, yeah. I guess, on. Iranian submarines or warships? I'm not too sure, maybe. I can't remember not exactly. Really but, but they were blaming them on Iran, yeah? I, I'm not buying that. Neither am I like, at all. <laughs> I'm just not buying it. Like, um, you know, I, I think it's just like, yeah, I don't know. Watch this space on it. But um, I'm not buying the attacks on those um, uh, ships at all. And really, with with modern military weapons, I don't understand why the ship wasn't sunk. If it, you know, if why was it just like, you know, why was why is there just some minor damage to it? It just it just smells from start to finish, uh, like anything that the US touches militarily. Um, mm. So, and then I see some, you know, like chess moves between Russia and the US in regards to what's happening here with Iran. Iran seems to be the new um, middle ground that they seem to be warring over at the moment. Um, uh, and so... That's yeah. got to that's, that's be the old school, you know, old school neocon oh, guys, you know, wanting to get their buddies involved in the pipelines coming through there or something like People forget Iran is massive. Like Iran is a big country. It's it's probably what three times the size of Iraq. It is huge. Um, yeah. You know, bordering Afghanistan and Pakistan, and uh, obviously the tiny little Kuwait is pretty close by. I'm not sure if they share a border with Kuwait or not, but obviously Iraq and you know those two countries symbolically have been at each other's throats for for a millennia. But you know they've been peaceful mm-hmm. for a long time though. Still. Um, you know, so the, the, the this war this the flames of indignation as they say have been trying you know, they keep trying to throw 
throw more and more fuel onto that fire so Iran gets upset. You know, they're, they're putting more and more sanctions on them. They've been putting sanctions on them for so long now, you know, against Iran and stuff. That's why they, they continually try and do business with Russia, who's only a, a couple of countries away to the north, you know. Um, yeah. They've got, like, Azerbaijan seems, and Georgia yeah. above them to, to cut through. But, um, you know, so... I guess it's, is it a proxy move against Russia, maybe? Oh, they're trying to embroil uh, Iran in this? I'm not sure. Uh, I think it really is. It's, it seems to be uh, the Syrian conflict. It seemed to be the big the big deal last year. seems to be settled down a little bit, and now they seem to have moved into uh, Iran as the big boogeyman. So, mm. um, you know, maybe maybe um, Russia has, has tapped tapped the US on the shoulder and said, look, you know, you, you're not, you, just stay out of this one. So Iran, Iran seems to be the next in line. Mm. Maybe, maybe I'm simplifying it too much, but yeah, it's just... Seven countries in five years, gentlemen. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. It's one of, it's the one of the ones on the list, I'm pretty sure too. Yeah, and that's, we do, obviously, you know, I, I do think that um, this all still has to do with, you know, is Israel's um, what would they call it? The greater the greater Israel plan or whatever, greater plan for Israel or whatever, so they can control that entire, all the way from you know their their western shores and complete control from there all the way across, you know, into those yeah. the, the rich oil fields and um, pipelines and things from from those areas all the way through to possibly India. Who, who knows how far they want to spread across that area? But you know they've got Syria organized. They've They've got um, yeah. Saudi Arabia, Jordan, and all those areas are all under wraps. Lebanon, you know, like yeah, you know, they've got Iraq, their fingers in pies. Yeah, Iraq, they've got their fingers in the pies all over there, and this could just be, yeah. I mean, I, I never take them out of the equation. You've got to, leave, you're always got to have Israel in the equation as, as to why America is pushing forwards into these wars, you know, and and trying to provoke these nations. I mean, what what was that guy? We saw video footage and we shared it of that. Um, one of those um, think tank meeting organisations that that guy was. I wish I had his name. Wish I had it handy, but it was up on up on stage in that press conference type thing, talking about how how they need to basically have a false flag to get these countries into war, you know, and the provocations that yeah. are, that are needed to 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 aggravate them enough so that they we can invade them, you know. And this was, you know, they're they're not even denying it or trying to hide it anymore. They're so blatant with what they're trying to say with these, you know, setting up these wars and trying to get countries involved in war and stuff. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, totally, totally right, General. And that's and that's why I'm saying that the whole thing with these oil tankers, um, I'm just smelling bullshit all over it, you mm. know. Um, and uh, it, it just, yeah. So uh, watch this space, but definitely, definitely seems to be. Um, you know, uh, a step step away from Syria, and it seems to be like a step right into Iran at the moment um, in that region of the world. Uh, they can't help themselves, can they? There's always has to be a war there. It's just incredible. Well, every you know? yeah, every prime uh, prime minister, every president that comes through is, you know, they 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 stand on a platform of pulling troops out and reducing conflicts, and of course, then they invade even more countries and. And propagate the wars even more. It's, it's just ridiculous. Trump's no, Trump's no better. Um, he's exactly the same. It's not. Trump. People don't forget. But it's 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 not the presidents that run these countries. It's it's the deep state behind them that really is running the show. Well, 
Yeah. Yeah. Plus, his cabinet's all the same neocon warmongers from back in the day, anyway. You mm. know what I mean? This mm. was this was just Trump's sick way. You know, oh, I, we pulled out because we didn't want to kill people. Well, no, no, this was just a, another tactic against Iran, probably trying to provoke them into starting it first. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not. It has nothing to do with sympathy or anything like that. Like this is what they want. And and when you think about Iran, as you said, General, it's a key strategic um, landmass for things like the Greater Israel Plan what's happening in the middle east right now but mm. also iran's always been the key country because they control the strait of hormuz which mm. controls about the 95 percent of the world's Ship- oil flow yeah it's shipping lane yeah absolutely it's a major shipping lane for the entire world to ship oil through and that's why that's another reason why it, it would be beneficial to take control of it and i don't know if you saw gentlemen but our our Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, said that he is open to negotiations to get involved in the Iran conflict if the United States continue to progress it further. He said that they're completely open to that door. So once again, just as we always do, you know, if another conflict did erupt, we would we would have to follow them in like lapdogs. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, yeah, he's already thrown his hat in the ring for that I one. Saw, <laughs> I saw that article. I saw that article straight away, and then the first thing that came into my mind was that uh, America's bitch video that was getting around that parody video that was getting around a, a couple of weeks ago. Hey boys, I just found it too. I just found that um, uh, the video I shared with that with that chap. I might, it only goes for a minute fifty five, so I might just play it here so everyone can hear it if they haven't heard it already. Um, so I might just unplug my headphones and play it through the mic now. Hopefully, it'll just play okay. So bear with me here. If you start hearing it, then we know it's working. So give me one sec. I frankly think that crisis initiation is really tough. And it's very hard for me to see how the United States uh, president can get us to war with Iran. Um, Which leads me to conclude that if, in fact, compromise is not coming, that the traditional way of America gets to war is what would be best for U.S. interests. Uh, some people might think that Mr. Roosevelt wanted to get us into World War II, as David mentioned. You may recall we had to wait for Pearl Harbor. Some people might think Mr. Wilson wanted to get us into World War One. You may recall he had to wait for the Lusitania episode. Full some flags. people might think that Mr. Johnson wanted to send troops to Vietnam. You may recall he had to wait for the Gulf of Tonkin episode. <laughs> uh, we didn't go to war with Spain until the USS, uh, yes. until the Maine exploded. And may I point out, that Mr. Lincoln did not feel he could call out the Federal Army until Fort Sumter was attacked, which is why he ordered the commander at Fort Sumter to do exactly that thing which the South Carolinians had said would cause an attack. So if, in fact, the Iranians aren't going to compromise, it would be best if somebody else started the war. One can combine other means of pressure with sanctions. I mentioned that explosion on August 17th. We could step up the pressure. I mean, look, people, Iranian submarines periodically go down. Someday one of them might not come up. Who would know why? (laughs) We can do a variety of things if we wish to increase the pressure. I'm not advocating that. But I'm just suggesting that uh, this is not an either-or proposition. You know, it's just sanctions has has to succeed or other things. We are in the game of using covert means against the Iranians. We, we could get nastier at that. All right, let me just plug my headset back in, boys. Yeah. Oh, that's, that was a good... Hang on, sorry. 
<laughs> we'll get where the hole is. Hang on. There we go. <laughs> Shut up. No jokes. <laughs> uh, oh, the, uh, that's, that's what she yeah, said. Yeah, no, I'll that's interesting. Sure that's what she said. Um, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. So that was an Israeli lobbyist, and that was for the uh, the Washington Institute. And that was only just recently uh, as well that he put that up. So I shared that on the 15th of June. Sorry, 17th of June. So, But I'll... Um, probably chuck a link in that one for the show notes too so people can listen to that one themselves but hey there you go they straight from the horse's mouth you know we could we could get nastier i mean you know, stuck remember do you remember stuxnet was that which was that um in malicious malware that they um used with the they did a cyber attack on iran and iranian um nuclear yeah, power yeah, plants yeah. and stuff that was an yep. israeli and american you know um cyber warfare project that they did you know what i mean so they've they've done it before even said and that's i think that's what he may have even been referring to perhaps is that they've attacked them before um and they've got to get nastier though so hey there you go that's what we're talking about folks yeah sadly man um so you know like they've been itching for a third world war for a long time one could argue we already are we just don't know it well yeah it's an economic war that is full blazing on right now Mm. Anyway, um, but, um, but yeah, <clears throat> am I? Am I? Can you guys still hear me? Yeah. Okay. So I just had a warning thing pop up about my USB accessories or something. So hopefully it's still coming through. Okay. Seems to be recording good. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, yeah. Um, anything further to add, fellas? Um, uh, yeah. Just quickly. Um, uh, just a, a general. Uh, 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 advice: The AVN, um, Australian Vaccination Network, are uh, doing an event this week coming up on uh, for July. Let me just bring the thing up. Uh, there is a film event coming up um, in cool. Brisbane, Gold Coast, and Sunshine Coast. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy is doing a show with the AVN, um, and there's a secret event on Friday the fifth in Brisbane. Uh, Saturday the 6th at the Gold Coast and Sunday the 7th on the Sunshine Coast and you can find tickets and information on the AVN website. Uh, is he coming is, out here? Is Robert coming out here? Or I think it, they're doing it through the Skype. Via, okay, via video link. Yeah, cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, go to um, avn.org.au to get your tickets and information, people. Yeah, another good organisation to, to help support as well. Yeah, so that's that one. Um, and also, I had a question too, Lee. Um, we had on the show um, uh, the fella from that was making the Wasp movie. Um, oh, yeah, Paul Motor. Any, yeah, Paul, yeah, thanks for reminding me. Um, have you got any further information as to the development of that movie and where it's heading and any... Well, he did release. He did release his little um, preview for um, for what he's done, which was like a funding sort of little video that he that he put together, so he can sort yeah. of show people on the direction he wants to go and what he's trying to highlight and stuff. So I do believe it's open now for for uh, for funding as well. Um, but you can also, for those listening, you can go and check out. Uh, Paul is on Facebook, Paul Moda M O D E R. But you can also just look up Wasp, um, the Port Arthur Massacre. Um, on on uh, Facebook or I'm pretty sure he's got a website for it too, but I won't say that for sure. But um, yeah, go go through there and, and folks can can uh, can check it out and see what he's doing and and uh, help out with funding as well or even spread the word or you know just to help help get it out there so that movie can uh, can get made as well. 
because uh, like you said, he wants to put out this feature film with regards to, I guess, what he knows and, and all the information he has with regards to Port Arthur, put that in the film, and then afterwards the next project is to do more of an actual documentary sort of style um, uh, on, on Port Arthur as well. So, yeah, it's a lot of stuff he's got going on, but... You know, he's definitely got his finger on the pulse with all that sort of stuff too. So I'm pretty sure even um, actually Adam also had, I don't think he had Paul on ages ago, but Adam's also had done a podcast recently as well. So another good reason to go and support him and, and get those podcasts because he did one on Port Arthur as well. Um, we had someone else on uh, as a guest talking about Port Arthur. That Titanic one he put out was really interesting too. I want to listen to that one a bit more. Um, I don't know if anyone, if you guys caught caught the little bit of that one or the full actual podcast, but that was really interesting with regards to the Titanic and uh, uh, and the Olympus, um, the, the twin ship that was. Uh, you reckon there was a bit of a switcheroo happening there? That's why it was. Mm, abs- uh, that's why yeah. it went down. Yeah. So good, good, good like conspiracy sort of stuff. Yeah, I love it. It's awesome. It's gets you really uh, yeah. intrigued. Yeah, that's why I like Kraz's site. He does yeah. some good stuff. Like he does. That goes to- goes a bit deeper down the rabbit hole, which I like. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. It's great. great stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, really, really support. Support yourself, Ethan, there. Support um, uh, Kraz Files as well, too. And if you're feeling generous, chuck a couple of bucks my way as well on the old PayPal there. But anyway, I think um, if that's that's a wrap for you guys, is there anything else you want to put out there, fellas? No, just to encourage everyone to, to head over to tottnews.com. There's some new members material that's up there, the education system, constructing human minds. And we've also got um, the member circle podcast that's up there as well. And, and if you sign up and want to get a preview of that, you can sign up as a free subscriber. Um, click on the schooling was designed to indoctrinate society article and you can get a, a preview of what the greater membership piece was like, which includes obviously a big feature piece and about a half an hour video um, each member uh, piece that's released. So definitely head on over and, and check that out. And as always, just keep supporting independent media because we're here for you, everyone. We're, we're getting this information out, not for our good, but obviously for the good of everyone. So awesome. Thanks, thank you, Ethan. everyone. Good stuff. Andy, yeah, we'll catch up soon. Um, I might get in touch with you and maybe um, we'll try and get hook up sometime this week if you can, if you're not too busy. No, it's good. Good stuff, man. Yeah, so head over. If you know anyone out there who wants to make a video or web ad or whatever, folks, if you're in a got a business going on, you want some help with stuff, make sure you hit, hit Andy up and um, get on board with um, Pixel Studios as well. They'll um, they'll do some quality work for you guys. Uh, all right, well, that's a wrap for episode 21. Thanks, fellas, for, for joining me tonight. And uh, today, once again, is Sunday, the 30th of June. Make sure you subscribe and share this podcast far and wide. And if you really can spare a, a minute or two, please jump on, give us a five-star rating and a little quick review as well to help us uh, reach even more people. Once again, that is the General Knowledge Podcast. Thanks, guys. Stop, you